Let's pray for a sec. Father, I just want to pray your blessing over your word. Um, and I pray that whatever you want said here today is said. And I pray that whatever is, is of me, it just fall to the floor. But I just want to make this space for your spirit to come and your spirit to speak to each every one of us. I thank you for the materials that these people have put hours and weeks and months and years into preparing. And I thank you for your word, which has stood the test of thousands of years. So I just pray your blessing over now in Jesus' name. Um, this is going to be different for the next few weeks, not just because we have tables and chairs and a big screen instead of our ordinary thing, but because what we want to do is much more on a teaching basis than on a preaching basis. And it's more about the practicality of taking a step-by-step step and moving ourselves forward as disciples in Jesus. And the one we're going to look at today is that God speaks. And how can we hear God speak? And he still speaks today. <coughs> and he wants to. He wants to speak to you. Actually, it's not that he wants to speak to you. He is speaking to you. But he wants you to hear him. And he wants me to hear him. And, and what we're going to look at to try and make this as, 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 as sensible and as practical as possible is just how God speaks, the ways that God speaks to us, the different ways he speaks to us individually, the hindrances to hearing what God says to us. And beyond an illusion, there's plenty of hindrances. And we're going to finish, and we're going to take some time at the end for an opportunity for God to speak to us. We're going to finish with that opportunity. See, Scripture is full of God speaking to people all through history. He spoke to Abraham and told him to move. And he brought him into a land where Abraham didn't even know where he was going. But God speak and moved to Abraham. He spoke to Noah. <coughs> and Noah built an ark for a rainstorm on a planet that never had rain. He spoke to Moses and told Moses to go and tell Pharaoh to let his people go. And he created history. And God spoke to him. And then he spoke to Joshua. And Joshua went in and took the promised land and created the place where Israel then lived for centuries. And the thing is, they were people who heard God's voice. And if we want to move forward, we need to be people who can hear God's voice. And there's good reasons why we need to hear God's voice. There really is. We need to hear God's voice so that we can get guidance. I want to tell you something. You're going to get a much better answer off of God anytime you need guidance than you are off of Facebook. You're going to get a much better answer off of God than you will off of Dr. Phil. You'll get a much better answer off of God than you will off of your friends. But to get an answer from God, I need to know how he sounds and how he speaks to me and what it sounds like. We need to hear God's voice for to get wisdom, for to get clarity for decisions that we have to make. There's no one has more wisdom than God. 
We do laugh. We call um, Anna and myself, we call Monica. Most of you know Monica. She comes here. Um, we call her the Oracle because she's full of wisdom. <laughs> and when we're trying to figure something out, I go, will we go up and talk to the Oracle? That's from the Matrix, in case you don't know. Okay. Um, that she has wisdom. She has wisdom gained from years. God is eternal. Look at the wisdom that's available to us if we just tapped into that. We need to hear from God for to get healing from our past and hope for our future. Psalm 139 says that God knit us together in our mother's womb. And Ephesians 2.10 says that God created us to do good works, which he ordained in advance before one of our days came to be. He used both of those scriptures to heal brokenness in my past because I thought it was a mistake and I thought I shouldn't be on the planet. But he spoke to me through those scriptures and he brought healing. And he also told me who I was and who I could be. And we need to hear God tell us who we are. Because I want to tell you something. People all around you are going to tell you who you are and what you are. And some of them will say nice stuff to you and some of them will say positive stuff. And a lot of them will rip you to shreds and a lot of them will put you down. But no matter who they are or what they are, it will never be as powerful as God speaking directly into your life and telling you who you are in him and what he thinks about you. And we can get our identity from that place. And we need to hear God speak to have a relationship with Jesus. Because it's not possible to have a relationship with someone if you're not having a conversation with them. Most marriages that break down, break down because people stop communicating. Not because one person does something stupid. It's because they stop talking, they stop communicating, they stop interacting with each other. And because of that, the marriage breaks down. The relationship breaks down. And if you think about all the relationships in your life and any of the ones that have broken down, I'll guarantee you if you look at them, it was because communication stopped. Something broke it. To have relationship with Jesus, we need to take time, we need to pray, we need to read our Bibles. Because just like my body likes its food and it needs food to keep going, if I stop eating, besides getting skinny, eventually I will die. If I just stop eating, my spirit will die if it's not getting fed. And the reality of it is, God's word is the food that my spirit needs. Fellowship is the food my spirit needs. Being with God's people and being in his presence is what I need. And here's the thing, when we live in that relationship, we get a satisfaction in life that we don't get anywhere else. Or that lasts better than any other satisfaction can give us. In Matthew, it says this from the message version. It says, it takes more than bread to stay alive. It takes a steady stream of words from God's mouth. And the last thing that I hear from God, and the reason I need to hear from God is because I need courage to move forward. Because moving forward is never easy. Stepping into that next place, getting over myself, getting over the stuff that's in my life that stops me becoming who I can be, takes courage. And I don't have that courage. And you don't have that courage. But God can give it to you. And he can give it to me. And here's the really good news. The ability to hear God isn't just for some people. When we got saved for us and we were going to church, I thought Gary was the only one in the church. Who could, he was our pastor. I thought he was the only one who heard from God. I didn't think that I could hear from God. I didn't think God would be interested in speaking to me. That was probably more the truth of it. I'm still fascinated 
that the God of the universe, who created everything, who we sang about this morning, who done amazing things, would want to talk to me. But here's the thing he does. And he wants me to hear him, and he wants me to have a relationship with him. In John 10, it says this, I tell you the truth, anyone who sneaks over the wall of a sheepfold rather than going through the gate must surely be a thief and a robber. But the one who enters through the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. Here's the bit now. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep recognize his voice and come to him. He calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. After he has gathered his own flock, he walks ahead of them, and they follow him because they know his voice. In verse 27 to 28, it says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one can snatch them away from me. So what God is saying here is two things, besides the fact that he's calling the sheep, and that may not be a compliment, I understand, but just take it at face value. Sheep, no, not sheep the way we see sheep being shepherded in Ireland, which is with a dog and a whistle. The shepherd doesn't talk to the sheep, he talks to the dog, and the dog drives the sheep. In the Middle East, sheep are led by a shepherd. They know the shepherd's voice. He says, come on, lads. He calls them by name, and they follow him. We saw this when we were over in Egypt, and we saw it actually in Spain. We saw a shepherd walking along with a a herd of goats, and they were all following him, and he stopped and called one of them, and it came running after him, just like families do. You're walking with three or four kids. You watch one is missing. You call it, and, and, and the child comes. This is the way they do it. But here's what God is saying. He knows us by name, and he calls us by name. So we're not just a number. We're not just a statistic. And here's the other part of it. I can know and I can recognize his voice. That's even more astounding, I think. So there's two things about the ability to hear God that we can get from this. One is that it's built in. It's hardware. It's innate. It's in us. If we give our life to Jesus, it's already hardware. It's about just turning that switch on. It's possible to hear God. I've used this example before, but this room is full of FM 104, Lyric FM, Spirit FM. You name any radio station you can think of, all the radio waves are all around us. But we need to turn a switch on to hear it. True? God's voice is all around us, but we need to turn a switch on to hear it. But that switch is inside of us. And the second thing is... (coughs) then it needs to be matured. We need to learn to discern God's voice from all the other noises that are going on all around us. And we can do that as we build relationship with him and as we learn to push the other voices to one side and just concentrate on what we're hearing from him. Now, realistically, a lot of people never even turn that switch on. And I've met people who have had that switch on for a while and then turned it back off again because they didn't like what they were hearing. And then I've got and sat with people who'd say, well, I don't need to hear from God. Should I go to church on a Sunday and the priest or the pastor, whoever it is, he tells me what I need to hear. And that's like, okay, let me say this much. I hope you're hearing from God, whoever's up the front talking. Because if you're not, then whoever's up the front's off the wall, they shouldn't be talking. And I really hope that's, that you do hear. But you should be hearing from God yourself. You should be relating to him personally. It shouldn't only be that you get something when you go with a group of people and you go to a Bible study or you go to a church meeting or something like that. But every single day, God is talking to us. And every single day, there's an opportunity for us to learn. And if you only hear from God through a preacher or through me or through someone else, you're having a second-hand relationship with somebody. 
Like, I don't hear what Anne has to say to me through Cathy or through Cora or Marion or, or Joel or anybody. I hear what Anne has to say to me, guess what, from her. And she hears what I have to say to her from me, not through other people. Now, I remember, do you remember when you were a teenager and you fancied somebody? Some of you are younger, so you remember this closer. You asked your mate to ask her mate that she fancy you before you asked her out because you didn't want to step into that space of being rejected. Isn't that fair enough? We used to do that. That's kind of okay when you're 13. Now, imagine a 30-year-old doing the same thing. Richie, would you ever ask Cora, would Lisa be interested? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you'd be like, are you for real? Come on, be a big ticky and ask her yourself. Because we're supposed to be mature. We're supposed to be in direct conversation with people. Isn't that fair enough? Yeah? It's the same with God. If we're having a second-hand relationship with God, here's the thing we're doing. We're cutting ourselves off. You can have a second-hand relationship. It's probably better than none. But it's not what you can have. Years ago, um, when I was going through this yesterday, and I, and I was thinking back, and I, and I wrote in the side of my Bible where I read that scripture about the sheepfold, that it reminded me of Superquin. And I was thinking, how can you explain Superquin? Superquin and Sundrive used to have a crash for kids. Do you remember that? We used to go shopping just to get rid of the kids. No, we didn't. <laughs> but they minded your kids and Mary's got a hand up. Okay. If you went to Superquin shopping, you left your kids into the crash and they would mind your kids. For a couple of hours, you did your shopping. There was a small supermarket. How it took people five hours to do it, I don't know, but they were probably in the stone bowl. But anyway, <laughs> when you came back to collect your kids after you did your shopping, your kids couldn't see you where the way the doorway was situated. But I often got in there and just talked to the girl, and my kids came around. Why? Because they heard my voice. And they recognized the voice. And because they heard the voice, they came to the voice. They didn't see me. And you know what I wrote in there? I wonder do I recognize the voice of Jesus like the way my kids recognize my voice. Because I should. I should be able to. Or even the sound of Jesus. I was thinking, to, I used to be brought to Mass when I was a kid. Probably till I was about 11 or 12. And sometimes when we went up and Mass was very popular, um, the place would be packed and you wouldn't all get to sit together. And you might sit three or four hours in the difference. And I often sat, say, with my dad or something, three or four hours ahead of my mother or whatever. I could hear her cough among a thousand people coughing. I knew her cough. And if we were in Spain and holidays when the kids were small and they were all at a pool, any of you have kids know this one. If the kids, there could be 20 kids at that pool screaming, you know your child's scream. And you also know whether it was a happy scream or an I'm in trouble scream, don't you? Even if you have a sleep in a sunbed, go, oh yeah, get me, get me, get me, get me. What? I can hear them. Why? Because we recognize the voice. We recognize the sound. If we, if we don't get and push in and learn to recognize the sound of Jesus, we're going to miss out on what he's trying to say to us. And the thing is, he wants to talk to us. In John 15, it says, I don't call you slaves, because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. You are my friends, since I have told you everything the Father has told me. 
Jesus wants to be your friend. And he wants to talk to you as a friend. And he wants you to talk to him as a friend. But he wants you to hear, excuse me, hear what he's saying. And like I said earlier, it amazes me that God would want to talk to me. But he does. And if you're sitting there thinking, I don't think he'd want to talk to me, I want to tell you that's a lie. He does want to talk to you. That's a different voice telling you that he doesn't want to talk to you. The most common ways that we hear God are usually through auditory or visual or feelings. And I'll give you some examples of that, I suppose, is that auditory is not necessarily that you're going to hear voices. People call you schizophrenic when you say that. Um, But the reality of it is you may hear God audibly speak to you. I have never heard God audibly speak to me. I've never sat in a room and just heard a voice, but I know I have friends who have told me they have. Um, But I have heard God speak to me in my mind. I've heard words form in my mind that I know didn't come from me because they were telling me to do things that I wouldn't do in a fit. The most prominent one I remember was I was cycling down Claha Road. I was walking in Eli at the time and I was cycling down Claha Road. And as clear as a bell, I heard God speaking to my mind and he said, don't drink anymore. This was in 1993, I think it was. And I just kind of went, I don't know where that came from. But it wasn't something I was thinking about giving up drink or anything like that. Um, it wasn't a huge deal to me, to be honest with you. Because I wasn't a massive drinker. Actually, I went home and said to Anne, I think the Lord told me not to drink anymore. She said, what are you talking about? You take, you don't even drink anyway. Like, I'd have a few glasses of wine, or I liked a drop of Quantra or a Bacardi or Coke or something like that. But it, was, but it wasn't. But it was very distinct, do not drink anymore. And, I, and it took years. We went through a horrendous time because of that place a couple of years later. And I think if I had still been having a drink, I could have well got sloshed most nights of the week to kill the pain. So God was speaking into a future situation to protect me from something. But it was very clear in my head, just as if you said it to me now, don't drink anymore. That was it. There wasn't any, here I am, I am the Lord, the God, the maker of your heaven and earth, the universe, and I'm telling you, just say it to the Lord, do not drink. It wasn't, it was these simple words, don't drink anymore. But I knew it was him, because I knew it wasn't me. You can hear that. You probably have heard it. Be honest. God, I hate that one. Take the blame. Don't be trying to blame other people. Be honest. Pay your taxes. Don't like that one either. Stop fiddling. Stop doing this. Stop doing that. I've had all of them voices in my head. I know they're not me because me just wants to keep fiddling. I was happy out not paying tax. I, uh, that, that, that would all. We might scrub that from the recording. But anyway. <laughs> um, but I was happy. Do, do you know what I'm saying? Like... But God was speaking into situations. And he does. Or sometimes I might be praying with somebody. Or talking with somebody. Or sitting with somebody. Counseling with them. And just something out of nowhere. God just drops something into my head. And I say it to them and go. And you have to be careful doing something like that. Because you can't go. God said this about you. You go. This is what I'm thinking. You can tell me if I'm mad. But I've often said something to people. And they kind of go. Oh my God, how did you know that? I didn't know it. God knows it though. And he gives it to us to share with other people. Sometimes you'll see things. Sometimes you'll see pictures. Sometimes you'll see pictures in your head. You'll see visions. If you're dreaming, you might see dreams. I saw hope long before it ever existed. Long before it ever existed. 
I saw the work that we've done in Belarus long before we ever got to do it. Because God gave me a vision or something. And he'll give you a vision and he probably already has. But the question you have to ask yourself is, do you believe that's actually God? And are you willing to step out now? And sometimes it will just be a feeling. Women have a thing called intuition. Yes? Can I just say, lads, we have it too. We just ignore it. <laughs> right? In other places it's called having a brain, but we don't use it. Okay? Here's the thing. A lot of times it can just be a conviction to change. It can be something that you're doing that you just don't feel right about. And it's pushing you towards doing something different. But it's the voice of God speaking to you. So a lot of times we either hear it or feel it or see it. A lot of times. And the most common ways that God speaks is through Scripture. The most common way. And the most reliable way that God would ever speak to us is through Scripture. It tells us that in Romans. It tells us in Timothy. It tells us all true. And like, <coughs> sorry, Scripture is the greatest foundation for us in hearing God's voice. And in learning God's voice. And here's the thing. If we don't read Scripture, we're cutting our noses off to spite our faces. You do not read the Bible to keep someone else happy. You read the Bible for to feed yourself. And if you don't, the only one you're really hurting is yourself. I always thought that was a great phrase. You're cutting your nose off to spite your face. You're doing something that you think is like, I'm not doing that. But the only one that's actually suffering is you. I'm not having him telling me I have to read the Bible. I'm not telling you you have to read the Bible. I'm telling you if you want to do something good for yourself, read the Bible. If you don't want to, fine. You cut your own nose off. But the only one who's going to suffer for that will be you. The Bible tells us clearly to renew our minds daily on the Word of God. On the Word of God. In Psalms, it tells us to meditate on the Word when we're getting up, when we're going to bed, and at all times in between. We read it to change us. It's not just about getting loads of stuff in your head. It's not about just having loads of knowledge and being able to quote the thing in Hebrew and Greek and English and in John 27, 17, it says this and da 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 There are tons of people in this world who can do that and their lives are no different. When you read something in the Scripture and it impacts you, you're supposed to take what that says and then try and live it out and ask God to give you the grace and the help to make you live it out. I'm going to give you an example from, and it should come up on the screen. I think Ephesians. Is it up there? Yes. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must walk. Doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. Now here's the two kinds of people you're going to meet. You'll meet the person who can say, Ephesians 4.28 says, and they'll quote that off word for word. And they're still robbing. They mightn't be actually going into a bank and robbing, but they're still fiddling social welfare. They're still not paying taxes. They're still doing whatever it is with their neighbors. Or maybe they're having an affair or whatever. But they'll quote that off word for word. And then you'll have people who'll read that and go, I shouldn't be stealing anymore. I need to change. That doesn't mean they're perfect, but it means they're trying to live that out in their life. God's word is meant to be a revelation to help us change and move forward into being who we're supposed to be. It won't always be comfortable and it won't always be easy, but it will always be worth it. 
Scripture isn't meant to just become a memory test. It's not like the Leaving Cert. It's more like the applied Leaving Cert where you learn things and you actually make it work in your life. It's living and it's breathing life into every part of our lives, but only if we're able to hear it and if we obey it. He speaks in Scripture about everything to do with life. But if we don't know what it says, it's going to be really hard for us to figure out how the hell we're supposed to live. We'll hear from other people. We'll hear from teachers and preachers and prophets even, and maybe wise counselors and friends, godly people. So here's the thing, no matter who speaks to you, no matter what they say, you need to bring that back to God. And go, is that what they're saying, right? What what I'm saying today, is that right? You need to go with this this week and see if this is right. Or is this just Brian that I haven't too much pizza last night? Is this real? Go. Ask God. Don't just take anything anybody says to you for granted just because they're in a place of maybe authority or responsibility you're in. Test. Test whatever you hear. In dreams and visions, Joseph had famous dreams, but they got him into trouble because he hadn't got the maturity to handle them. He told the wrong people at the wrong time. But the dreams were bang on. God gave him the dreams. If you don't know the story, go back to Genesis. You'll find it. Um, Solomon had dreams. Daniel had dreams. Joseph was warned in a dream to take Mary and the baby out of Egypt to save him from Herod. God will speak to you in dreams. Last year, 2018, there was something happening um, with friends of ours and a couple of different churches. And I was really betwixt and between and didn't know what we were supposed to do in a situation. I was really struggling with it. And I had a recording dream of being involved in a bank robbery for about six nights. And for the life of me, I couldn't figure out what the hell it was about. And then the next week, I had a different dream of robbing a house on Clannard Road. Can I just say, I'm too chicken to rob anything. Right? I've never been, like I've robbed, but never been involved in that kind of robbery. I robbed staplers and hammers that would walk. Do you know that kind of stuff? We take that off the tape as well. But, but do you know what I'm saying? Like, these were totally okay. I was going, what the hell is that about? And then one day, duh, I thought, should I ask God what that's all about? Because <laughs> I'm not getting anywhere with this. And it was about this situation. And he showed me exactly that if I'd have got involved in something, it would have basically been like doing a bank robbery. I wasn't going to be robbing a bank, but spiritually, it was going to be like a bank robbery. And it was like, okay, so he spoke to me in a dream. That doesn't happen to me. That's probably the first time that's ever happened in all my life. But it happened, and it can happen to any one of us. In Job, it says, For God does speak, now one way and now another, though no one perceives it in a dream, in a vision, or at the night when deep sleep falls on people and they slumber in the beds. So here's the same as with the prophetic stuff. If you have a dream, or someone tells you to have a dream, go to God, really. Don't just run off and do something on it. Circumstances also. Jonah was told by God to go to Nineveh. He didn't want to go, so he went off his own way, in the opposite direction. Okay? And he ended up in a boat, in a storm, and in a whale belly for three days. Think God might have been speaking to him through his circumstances. Yeah? Ever kind of been in a situation where you get an offer to do this, or you get an offer to do that? Maybe it's this job or that job. Maybe that one has more money and looks more comfortable and that one might be a little bit harder. But something in is telling you that's the right thing to do. But this is more comfortable, so we go there. And then what you thought was going to be heaven turns out to be hell. 
I think God just might be speaking to me in my circumstances. It's not always bad circumstances God speaks to us to. Sometimes it's good circumstances. Sometimes good things happen and God just wants to go, hey, I'm blessing you. I want you to have good. But there is stuff about our circumstances that we need to become aware of. We don't have accidents and coincidences if you're walking in the plans of God. There's loads of other ways. Numbers 22, Daniel 5, there's no limit to how God will speak to you, and he doesn't limit how he speaks to you. We're the ones who put him in a box and say, God only speaks this way. In Numbers, God spoke through a donkey. Sergei has a lovely little video of a donkey in Donegal the other day who was speaking away to him. We just don't have the interpretation for it. Okay, but the donkey was speaking donkey language. But in Numbers, the donkey spoke English or Hebrew or whatever it was he was speaking in them days. He spoke to the person. God spoke to him through a donkey. Haven't had it happen. To Moses, it was a burning bush. Anybody had a tree go in the fire in the backyard and God speak to them over? Hasn't happened. In Daniel, a hand appeared out of nowhere with nobody attached and wrote something on a wall. That's like the Adams family, isn't it? Do you remember thing? Just in the hand in the box. But it's like, that hasn't happened either. God doesn't limit how he'll speak to you. I've heard him speak to me in loads of different ways. Right, obviously, reading scripture, he's taught me, he's corrected me, he's led me, he's guided me, he's healed me, he's released me. Audibly. We were going to America many years ago. I was driving down Dame Street, and as clear as a bell, I heard God said, Emma's passport. And I thought, Emma's passport? Why Emma's passport? So I rang the next day afternoon. I was, out, I was out still walking, and I rang home, and I said, got Emma. I said, Emma, where's your passport? She went, God, I don't know where my passport is. And we were going away in a month's time or something like that. I said, well, you better find it. So anyway, I got home that night and she went, found my passport. I thought, that's great, lovely. Deal over. Should have listened to God a bit more carefully. When we were in London, half, well, not halfway, getting our connection flight, Emma's passport was out of date. So we missed our flight to the States over it. How we got to England, I don't know. That was a miracle. But anyway, we got it started and we got out the next couple of days. But God spoke to me and said, Emma's passport. Emma had a boyfriend who had a car. The father of a daughter will know what I'm talking about. Emma had a boyfriend who had a car. So there was obviously something going on. But as clear as a bell one day, I heard God say to me, you need to talk to Emma about that car. And I thought, that guy is up to something. I'm going to get him. I'll kill him. If I might talk to my daughter, I'll kill him. It turned out they'd been in a crash two nights before that. But she hadn't mentioned it. All right. And when I said, Emma, what's going on with such and such as car? She went, how do you know? <laughs> I was going, how do I know what? <laughs> so then they told me about the crash. And I was like, but I was, I was able to hear. I'm not, I'm not special. I wasn't anything in any church. I was just a dad who God spoke to about his child. Gary spoke to me through, or God spoke to me through Gary preaching to other people, friends, wise friends, through circumstances. He spoke to me sometimes about being humble in places where my pride wanted to fly. In places where I was doing stuff with people and knew I could do it better than them, but I had to sit back and let them do it. And he was talking to me. I haven't had a burning bush yet. I told you about the dream I had. I'm not sure about the donkey. I've had a few conversations with people, and I'm sure I was probably talking to a few asses. But anyway, that's... So here's the things that stop us hearing from God. I don't have much more to go. One of the biggest things that stop us talking and hearing from God is being busy. Being too busy. 
And sometimes we're going so fast that the noise around us and the voices around us take precedence over what God has to say. They grab our focus and our attention and keep us from hearing what he says, what his word is saying, and it stops us from going closer to him. And that can be anything. It can be good stuff and it can be bad stuff. It's not necessary that this is all, oh, we're sinning. It's not about that. It's about what's getting our focus and what's getting our attention. It could be work. It could be stress. It could be financial distress. or It could be, it could be having loads of money or having no money. It could be family. Family can be great. Family can be awful. Yeah, it could be Facebook, it could be pleasure, it could be Netflix, it could be anything. I say that with a grin on my face. Someone knows what I'm talking about. Okay, here's the thing. This is the solution. We have to make time. We have to make time because it's not just going to happen. We make time for what's most important in our lives. Think about that. We went over to a thing that Rob Carley had on last year, and I said this a few weeks ago, and we were late getting there. And, uh, and we were late because we hadn't bothered getting there early. All right, that's being honest about it. We had other things, and they were more important than being there early. And when I got there, I said, sorry, we're late, got delayed. And he went, someone said to me one time, Brian said, um, I got here exactly when I wanted to get here. And I went, okay, ouch. But it was the truth. And we're still friends after that, imagine. But it's the truth. I got there exactly when I wanted to get there. And I made space for what was important in my life. And, and you make space for what's important in your life. So if you're not making space for God, the question is, where's the importance on it? And this isn't about having a go at anybody. But this is about, if you want to move forward, and you want 2019 really to be your year, here's where it can start. Prioritize with God. There's another person who's part of Hope who has an appointment with God once a week. We talk every day, but they have this specific appointment in their diary once a week where they go to a special place and they sit with God for one hour every week. Most important hour in their week. That is phenomenal. And it's not me, it's someone else. We have to make time. Too many times our relationship with God is like going to McDonald's. It's like drive through Give me a Big Mac, a large Coke, and a da-da-da-da-da. Grab it and run. Drive through with Jesus. How are you, Jesus? How's it going? Great to see you. Thanks for this. Thanks for that. Will you sort that other thing out? Bye. Coronation Street's on. Don't want to miss it. That's the reality for many. And then we wonder why we can't hear God. If I behaved like that, I have behaved like that in our marriage. It didn't go down well. It doesn't. Something else that stops us is unconfessed sin. And there's different kinds of that. If I sin, I do something that I know is wrong, that does not break my relationship with God. I'm not not saved. I'm not going to hell. None of that stuff. Jesus' blood is enough to cover all of that. But what it does is it breaks my fellowship with him. It breaks that closeness that we have. If I do something wrong in our marriage, it doesn't mean our marriage is over. We're not getting divorced, but we have an issue that we need to talk through and deal with. Does that make sense? Yeah, it's like that with God. If we do something we know we're not supposed to do, then we need to take the time to deal with that. If we're doing stuff, sometimes you get disconnected from God and you don't know what's wrong in your life. You need to ask him, God, show me if there's something wrong. I don't know if I'm doing it wrong. Maybe I are doing something wrong and you don't even know it's wrong. Ask God to show you. He'll show you. Lots of times I was doing stuff I didn't even know you weren't supposed to do. 
or that it wasn't good to be doing. So he asked him and he showed me. That's one of the reasons it's really important to read the scriptures because you kind of find out what's good and bad. There's a solution. Proverbs says, people who conceal their sins will not prosper, but if they confess and turn from them, they'll receive mercy. Anne says, bring it into the light. When something comes into the light, it doesn't have any power. You have a conversation about it, it's gone. It's over, it's dealt with. It might be uncomfortable to do it for a few minutes, but it's water to get past it. It's water. There's a great place in Psalm 139 where it says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. I'm nearly finished. One of the other things that stops us hearing from God is we ask the wrong questions. God's not interested in our why's and what ifs. He's interested in our character and in making us become the people he wants us to be and the people we, he created us to be and the potential that's inside of you. So when we're going, why did that happen to me, God? Why did this happen? Why is that? What about the other? Most times he won't bother answering because it's not important to him. It's like when you're going shopping or something and your kids are going, why do I have to go with you? I don't care whether you like it or not, you're coming. Because this is what's good for you. This is what you're doing. You're going to school whether you like it or not. You're going to the dentist whether you like it or not. But why do I have to just shut up and go to the dentist? We do that, don't we, as adults, as, as, as human beings? God was the same. We're asking questions that aren't relevant to our future. It's about our comfort. And he's not as interested in our comfort as he is in our potential. James says that even when you ask, you don't get it because your motives are all wrong. You only want what will give you pleasure. Unforgiveness is the last one I'm going to mention. Whether it's to another person, whether it's yourself or even God. Sometimes we can't accurately hear God because we have unforgiveness going on for us. The solution is to forgive people and pray. And Matthew says, so if you're presenting a sacrifice at the altar in the temple and you suddenly remember that someone has something against you, leave your sacrifice at the altar and go and be reconciled. Reconcile to that person and then come and offer your sacrifice to God. There's another place in Scripture where it says, live in peace with all people as much as it is dependent on you. Because I can't make you live in peace with me. But I can try my best to live in peace with you. Is that okay? Do you understand the difference? I can't make you like me. I can be nice to you, but if you don't like me, you don't like me. Switch beer. I had two situations in life where I had had altercations with people and I needed to go back and try and do this, be reconciled to them. Neither was successful. Neither. One of them made me feel about that small by the time I was finished. It was horrendous. But I had no real peace with God until I did it because he knew I needed to do it to get it out of me. And secondly, the minute I did it, even though that person made me feel bad, well, said things that I felt bad over at the time, five minutes after I left her, I felt great. Because it was gone. The burden of carrying that unforgiveness towards her was gone. So I had a horrible five minutes, but then I had peace for the rest of my life. And I'd had a misery going on, kind of non, like a toothache that wouldn't go away inside of me for ages before that. Disobedience stops us. If God's told you to do something and you're not hearing from him, go back and ask him what was the last thing he told you to do and go and do that one. Then you have a good chance of hearing him the next time. Jonah was a prime example. He didn't do what he was told. And he started doing what he was told. God never stopped talking to him. And then there's other voices coming at me. There's lots of voices coming at us, isn't there? Genuine when you think about it. There's lots and lots and lots of voices coming at us. 
Philippians says this, Now one final thing, fix your thoughts on whatever's pure, whatever's true, whatever's honorable, right and pure, lovely and admirable. And think about those things that are excellent and worthy of praise. So how do we discern the voices that we're hearing or the thoughts that we're having? One, does it agree with Scripture? God's never going to say in your head, it's okay to rob or it's okay to have an affair or it's okay to beat someone up or it's okay to just steal someone's car. He's never going to say that because in Scripture it says, do not steal, do not commit adultery, do not sin, whatever. If it's not in there, he's not going to say it to you different. If you're hearing a voice, the difference between conviction and condemnation is condemnation will attack who we are and our identity and try and make us feel ashamed and push us away from God. The conviction of the Holy Spirit speaking into your life will bring you closer to God. It'll tell you, don't do that, that's bad. Do it this way, you'll be better off and you'll be closer to Jesus. Does that make sense? Condemnation will go, oh, look at you, you dirty rotten sin, I get out of there, don't let them Christians see you. They'll all know. Get away from all of them. They'll all judge you. That's rubbish. A good question to ask yourself is if you're hearing stuff in your head, is, is this going to bring me closer to Jesus or further away from Do godly counselors confirm it? And godly is very important. Be careful who you let speak into your life. I have lots of friends who are not Christian, who have no interest in God. They are still my friends, and they will be, please God, until one of us dies. Whether they ever give their life to Jesus or not. But I do not let them speak into my life in in areas of values and areas of how I think God wants me to live. Because they don't live to that value system. I'm not judging them. They just don't. They're different. I talk to people who I know are living for God and ask them what they think God might be saying. And is it going to produce peace in your life? So, I'm going to finish this up. Uh, God wants to speak to us. I've trained as a counselor, I work as a counselor. You can go to counseling for years and still not get freedom and get one word from God. In five seconds, he can set you free. He can change something in an instant just by speaking into something in your life that you could sit with a counselor and pay them 80 quid a session for years and not get. So four things I want to say to you. One, when God speaks to you, believe that it's God speaking to you. Believe his word. If you read something in the scripture and it's applying to your life, believe it. Confess it over yourself. Scripture tells us the power of life and death are in our words. If you keep telling yourself you're useless, you're no good, nobody loves me, blah, 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 then that will become your life. But God says you are loved, you are precious in his sight, you are his creation, you are his prized possession. He paid a price for you. Confess that over your life. Say, I'm gorgeous, I'm beautiful, God loves me. God wants me. God wants to have a conversation with me. And if he tells you to do something, obey it. Luke said, Jesus replied, even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. And that goes back to what I said earlier on. This is not about head language. This is about practice. So I want to take an opportunity right now to practice. Tony, if you put that last slide on, there's a song. Keep it low for me, will you please? So I'm going to ask you if you've got Etting in your hands, just put it down. Um, maybe close your eyes. And I know somebody's sitting there going, I'm not closing my eyes because he's telling me to. I'm just going to, this is for you, not for me. Close your eyes. Give yourself the space. And let's invite him in and ask him to come and speak with us. Let's take a moment, turn that down a bit, please, Tony. 
Let's just be open. And I'm going to ask you, try not to question, God, is that you? Just try and believe that if you begin to hear something in your spirit, in your mind, that it's God who's speaking to you. So I just want to pray for us. Father, I just pray right now that every heart in this room would be open to hear from you, including me. That we would take this time, push aside the distractions, push aside the phones, push aside the agendas, push aside whatever, and just take this couple of minutes to hear from you. I'm going to ask you just to start with this in your head. In Psalm 139, it says this, Search me, O God. Is there anything that is blocking me from hearing you? Is there unforgiveness? Is there sin? Is there pride? Whatever. And if God shows you something, then ask him to forgive you. And then receive his forgiveness. And as you receive receive that forgiveness, then just pray this. God, I want to hear your voice. Will you speak to me? Maybe ask him, God, is there any things that I believed about my life or about you that are not true? Oh, God, is there anything that you want to say to me right now? What would you like to say to me? And then the last question I want to ask you to ask God is this. God, what part of me brings you joy? Can you show me something special about me? And as he has spoke to you, and I believe he has, believe what he said. Believe what he said. Father, I pray that whatever you have spoken to our hearts this day, that you would seal it by the blood of Jesus. That you would totally cover it, Lord God, and totally make it ours. I pray that you have shown every single person in this room your desire to speak to them, your desire to have a conversation with them. I pray that as we leave this place that we would step into that conversation and we would continue that conversation as this week goes on. I pray, Father, that you would bless your people, that you would watch over them and guide them, that you would make your face shine on them and that you would grant them peace. And I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. If there is...
a um, desire in you. Kathy has some notes she's going to give them around that you can follow on from this and this kind of cover everything I spoke about today or most of it. If you're interested in, you can hear this again, it'll be on a podcast, but there's also a video of a lady called Summer Johnson doing the same teaching, um, which I can send you a link for. If you let me know you want it, I'll send it on to you. I'm not sending it to everybody. Um, but I'm going to encourage you to take what we've said, because this is foundational. If we begin to learn to hear God speaking, then everything else that we do will make so much more sense. Even when we talk next week about how we sabotage ourselves, it will make more sense knowing how to hear God in the middle of all of that. It will make more sense knowing how to hear God when you're looking at your own identity in God. And it will make more sense being able to hear God when you're looking at an eternal perspective rather than just hearing it. Amen. Yeah.